Hello, and welcome to the Amateur Cryptid Survival Guide. I'm Cass Rowland. And I'm Jude Furlong. This week, as every week, we bring you a different cryptid. Uh, in this case, we're actually getting somewhat close to home. It's not an Ohio encrypted, but it is the Michigan Dogman. Ooh, the Michigan Dogman. A six foot, well, six to eight feet tall, hairy, wild beast found, you know, amidst the woods of Michigan. Hmm. There are many of those. There's a lot of woods in Michigan. There ain't there just. It's the perfect place for one such as the Michigan Dogman. Ain't there just a lot of woods up there. I was surprised by how far this uh, this one dated back because I did know about this one from a pretty early age. This wasn't like, ooh, watch out, the Michigan Dogman's going to get you. But uh, my uncle and I have always had kind of a fascination with legends. So stuff like this came up. Um, like this was during one of my early cryptid phases where I was like, hey, we got any cryptids? And I was like, wow, the Loveland Frogman. Wow, the, the bunny. Um, the bunny? I... Not a cryptid, but there is a superhero called the Bunny who lives in Ohio. Wow, another Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there were quite a few Michigan cryptids, um, mainly centered around their, uh, around their, you know, their lakes and their rivers and stuff, but uh, plenty of others besides. The Dogman was one of them. Um, I even did a film based on the Michigan Dogman that you, that you (gasps) participated in. I do remember this. Yeah, uh, freshman year, we did a film called The Minnesota Dog and Man Show, but that, that had a very different story. Uh, was this point the one where I got with, dragged down the yeah. hall and fake dissected, and then yeah. someone came down into the basement and was like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think we were down in the theater. You had uh, the dog mask on by that point. You just turned up and looked at them. Oh, nice. that shit smelled terrible. Ooh. It was a bad, Matt, yeah. It was bad. But I have a question for you. Go on. Because I don't think those masks existed back in the 1800s and the 1600s, so... Uh, uh no, no. What's going I, on? I mean, let's get into it. Um, <laughs> the one Wikipedia points out, and I, I did some digging, um, is the 1887... Michigan dogman encounter in which two lumberjacks in Wexford County chase down what they believe to be a dog. Uh, The way the book that this comes from traveling Michigan sunset coast by one uh, Royce, who is a travel author. um, She details this as like, they thought they had nothing better to do. So they chased a dog around while the dog is hiding in a log. They poke at it with a stick, at which point it screams, stands up on two legs and shows that it has like, the powerful, strong, and muscular body of a man and a dog's head. Um, The other critical point in all this happens in 1983, or 1987, but we will get there. But there's this ongoing idea that it happens every 10 years, some incident with the dog man. 1897, a farmer in Buckley dies of a heart attack. Uh, 1907. Wait, wait, wait. They're blaming cardiac arrest on the dog man? Well, uh, there were large dog tracks found near his corpse. Oh, shit. 1907. A widow has constant nightmares of dogs who walk like men and scream like banshees circling her house at night. 1917. A sheriff walks upon a wagon with no driver, surrounded by dog tracks, 
Four dead horses, eyes wide open, are nearby, but a veterinarian establishes no reasonable cause of death. What the fuck? In 1937, there's a report by a ship captain of wild dogs roaming Bowers Harbor. Not that weird. But 1938, the following year, one Robert Fortney is attacked by five dogs. Oh my this god. This occurred on the Muskegon River. And one of those dogs walked on two legs. Uh, the dog man apparently stood up after Fortney shot one of the dogs and glared at him with slanted yellow eyes. Okay, I understand that part. I sympathize. If you with had the dog shot one of then. my friends, I would also stand up and glare at you. I, you I shot... don't know that I would have yellow eyes in that moment, but if you shot one of my friends and I thought I could get away with it, I would probably uh, drop kick you with my cane. <laughs> And then hit you in the part of the face where the jawbone connects to the rest, because I know that Mm -hmm. that will cause someone to lose consciousness. And then I will hobble away. 1957, a preacher finds claw marks on an old church church door. Not that weird, until you hear that they're seven feet up. Oh, no. Late 1950s, didn't give us a date, Uh, this is from Hidden Animals by one Newton. Allegan County, there's a similar doggish creature scene uh running around at one point on two legs at another point on four in 1961 this night watchman encounters a creature by a factory uh this occurs between this occurs somewhere in big rapids not uh not super far from a lake it might have been handship manufacturing but the guy who gives this encounter uh the kid the guy's son uh neglected to give us a, a specific location his house is directly opposite the manufacturing plant. He initially draws his gun and watches uh, the dog from afar as it searches for something in the driveway area of the plant. He initially thinks someone had broken in, but he sees um, as it like starts moving around on four legs and then getting back up on two, it's some kind of like weird dog man. Um, it's searching around the area of the plant in the driveway and parking lot. He snaps a photo with a Kodak signet and runs inside. Now, according to his son, this photo was given to various newspapers and magazines, including Mysterion, and he specified their spring 1962 issue. I could not find copies. I tried so hard and I could not find any copies. That's spicy. I will say that is probably the ultimate product placement for Kodak. (laughs) Can can we get Dogman branding? Can we get the, the Kodak Dogman? It's like they do an advertisement and it's like, Maybe you, too, can capture the unexplainable and they show what is probably a very grainy, horrible photo. As, as is the time-honored tradition of taking photos of weird shit. It mm-hmm. always has to look bad. Uh, well, hold on, and I can, I can show you the supposed photo of the dog man taken Ooh. in 1961. And I will say, looks a, looks a smidge photoshopped, I gotta be honest, but I, you could convince me, I think, loosely, that this was in 1961. This looks like a man on a bicycle hiding behind a pole. This does not look like yeah, a dog. Yeah, uh, basically the guy snapped a picture of it, and then he watched the dog man run into the woods, and he just sort of sat there shaken and fearful um, on the porch until, until the dog man left. Uh, according to his description... He said it appeared to be covered in brown-gray hair. It had very broad shoulders and a powerful chest. It alternated between walking on four legs, then standing up on two. And he said it seemed to be looking for something along the driveway. Um, we haven't really discussed the phenomena 
of the uh, the American werewolf, have we? I think we got into it just the teeniest bit in the Beast of Bray Road, but we haven't we gotten did, like we did. full werewolf. There is mode. there is a fascination with werewolves uh, throughout European culture and to and you know by extension American culture, um, but in very odd ways because you have the beast of bray road who's like a wolf man you have the michigan dog man who's a dog wolf man um but there are like encounters throughout the united states of like supposed werewolves uh there's the you know the actual uh, mental illness of lycanthropy um wait that's an actual thing yeah where you believe that you are a werewolf um i don't know if you know this but like in europe during of the, uh, during quite a few of the witch trials, some people would come forward and confess that they were werewolves. Um, there was this one guy, actually, this is, this is an encounter. My, uh, this is a thing my friend told me about not, uh, not, not that long ago, um, called face. Uh, he was, let me look this up. Here we go. Uh, face the Livonian werewolf. Thais of, Cal- of Kaltenbrunn, also spelled Thais and commonly referred to as the Livonian werewolf, was a Livonian man who was put on trial for heresy in Jürgensburg, Swedish Livonia, in the late 1600s. At the time in his 80s, Theus openly proclaimed, proclaimed himself to be a werewolf, claiming that he ventured into hell with other werewolves in order to do battle with the devil and his witches. Although claiming that he, as a werewolf, he was a hound of God, the judges deemed him guilty of trying to turn people away from Christianity, and he was sentenced to be both flogged and banished for life. Oh my god. Harsh. He's just trying to beat the devil and his witches. Exactly. This man is doing you all a super solid. He is he is turning himself into a, profone, into a profaned beast for your benefit, not unlike Jesus bearing the cross. All <laughs> I'm saying. And he's doing it all while he's 80. That can't be easy. Cass, you're familiar with the Satanic Panic, right? Yes, we've talked about the Satanic Panic. Yeah, yeah. this reminds me a lot of um, during the uh, 80s or 90s, um, Doom came out, which was a shooter in which you ventured into hell and killed demons. Um, One of the developers involved was a Mormon, and when there was this huge Christian claim that, like, it was a Satanic game that turned children away from Christianity, he responded with, you're killing demons. What could be more Christian than that? <laughs> All I'm saying is they did this. They did this man dirty. You have you have a bonafide doom slayer on your hands in the form of a wolf man, and you're gonna say no, 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 no. Get him out. Kick him out. Right. The point is, um, although throughout like the 1600s and 1700s, there were a lot of people confessing to be werewolves who believed they had seen werewolves, etc. They had seen people acting wolf-like. Um, there is an actual uh form of mental illness called lycanthropy um it is a unique kind of psychosis like it's it's not like like it's not necessarily different to um i'm trying to think what what group of psychoses this would be under but uh basically it's one of those psychoses where you're convinced you are something other than what you are Mm mm-hmm and this is now genuinely recognized as like a form of mental illness and it can be uh, treated and talked about and dealt with therapy. Um, 
But, like, th this is the explanation behind a lot of older wolf encounters. And then, sort of, over time, they shifted to be, like, with the genuine uh, wolves and wolf men. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump ahead, actually, to the 1987 thing. Ooh. Because this is kind of where, where I really have some interest. There's a radio DJ in uh, Traverse City, WTCM Radio, Steve Cook. It's April 1st, 1987, and Steve has jokingly recorded a song called The Legend of the, the Legendary Dog Man. Oh my god. Uh, he puts it out as a joke for, like, as an early scare in the year. And or an April was, Fool's Day joke, because it's not yeah, April Fool's Day. Yeah. Uh, and he, he then he starts getting calls from tons of people saying that, like, no, no, I had an encounter with this thing. Where? Where'd you hear about this stuff, Steve? Why, why'd you put that song on the radio? Who's, who was that song by? He, he credits it to a guy named like Fentley, Farley, something like that. Um, according to him, he had never heard of anything called the Dogman before he wrote the song. I had no idea that it was already a part of Northern Michigan folklore and certainly had no idea that people were seeing it. He has received at least 500 reports about the dogman since that time. Um, this is from an article in 2012, so it may be more now. Uh, but he remains somewhat skeptical, believing only about 100. Hmm. I have a theory. Yeah. Because he, he claims that he didn't know anything about the Michigan dogman before people started telling him that. That seems a little suspicious. You think he did this to drum up uh, publicity for his radio show? Or... Second theory, much more out there. What if he is the Michigan Dogman? Oh, all right. He's like, LOL, it's just a joke. This thing isn't real. I've never heard of it, but I know exactly what it's called. I have a song about it. I know enough about it to make a song about it. I, mm, suspicious. Well, it is interesting if I may read you uh, the lyrics of... Steve Cook's The Legendary Dog Man. Please do. A cool summer morning in early June is when the legend begun at a nameless logging camp in Wexford County where the Manistee River ran. Eleven lumberjacks near the Garland Swamp found an animal they thought was a dog. In a playful mood, they chased it around till it ran inside a hollow log. A logger named Johnson grabbed him a stick and poked around inside. Then the thing let out an unearthly scream and came out and stood upright. Mmm... It sounds like he's describing a very specific event, mm -hmm. which seems a little too specific for, oh, I've never heard of this thing before. I didn't know it was a real thing. I don't know. Oh, then in the this? summer of 87, near Luther, it happened again. At a cabin in the woods, it looked like maybe someone had tried to break in. There were cuts around the doors that could only be made by very sharp teeth and claws. He didn't wear shoes because he didn't have feet. He walked on just two paws. Oh my god, this is 100% he's bragging. He's 100% bragging. <laughs> Basically, throughout the uh, late 1800s into the 80s, even into the early 2000s, um, you have encounters with the Dogman. Um, in fact, I think someone on the Cryptids Wiki was saying that they'd had an encounter with the Dogman, which is fascinating to me. Oh, 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 already? This soon? This soon in the episode? Uh, we don't have to get into it, but I did want to bring attention to this. Um, according to 
T-Rebel117. Three, this is this is on March 29th, uh, 2021. Yo, I saw Dogman tonight. I was driving home near Howard City when I saw what appeared to be a large black garbage bag in the road on my left, nearly coming into my lane. So I moved more to the right. As I got closer, I began to make out a more definitive shape. I saw rippling black fur that was darker than the night. The fur appeared coarse and fluffy. I also saw blood and flesh, bright red. The creature was moving and feasting on the roadkill. It was massive, about half the size of my car. I started freaking out. When I got closer to home, I noticed that the moon was huge and orange. I made the connections instantly in my mind about what I saw. What makes this even more interesting is that the location where I saw this is close to the local butcher shop. I've gotten bacon from this place a few times, and for some reason, a batch I had tasted how wet dog smells and smelled like that when cooking. What? This butcher shop is also close to a heavily wooded area, and there are little to no lights outside in this area. My partner doesn't believe me, but my brother does. All I know is what I saw was a huge with black rippling fur devouring some fleshy thing. I believe what our friend T. Rubble is implying here is that um, the local butcher is a wolf, a werewolf. Yeah. Here's what I think might have happened. Um, yeah. Number one, bear. Bear. Just sure. bear. Bear. Of course, bear. Little bear. Little bear in the woods eating some roadkill. Is that right? Second, um, I think it's more likely that your butcher might be committing an OSHA violation and <laughs> or that you have a messed up sense of smell. Um, because, um, or or if you want to be really uh, conspiracy theory, you could make, you could try to argue that your butcher is selling dog meat. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really bad, but you shouldn't, if something smells like wet dog, okay, PSA for our listeners, if something smells wrong and it's meat, don't fucking eat it. Don't cook it. Don't eat it. Take it back to where you got it from and go, what the fuck is this? If I can... Uh, provide you some other like American werewolves. You have the Minnesota Dogman, which is Ooh. that's that. I didn't just make that one up. That was I know on, you've yeah. mentioned you mentioned it. Uh, you have the Beast Between the Lakes. Um, for some reason, the Cryptids Wiki has categorized the Ozark Howler as a werewolf. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that, but you have you have plenty of werewolves throughout uh, both North and South America. For instance, there's also the Argentina werewolf. Um, and, of course, there is the Beast of Bray Road. Now, the Beast of Bray Road is particularly interesting because, and I don't know that we had uh, talked about this when we did, but one of the sort of premier authorities on the Beast of Bray Road is um, Linda Godfrey. She, like, authored the book on it. Um, she took tons of witness reports. Like, whenever people do interviews about the, about the Beast of Bray Road, they get linda godfrey to come talk to them um godfrey does like a lot of stuff on werewolves one of her things is that witnesses are usually scared to death by the creatures but after 20 years of receiving reports she cannot cite one serious injury from an alleged encounter godfrey is a very interesting cryptozoologist um there are a lot of articles about like how she is a you know kind of a woman in a man's world of cryptozoology um but her fascination is also not a necessarily scientific one which i think is the appropriate approach for a cryptozoologist she views herself as a folklorist 
Interesting. I do think she takes these things a little too seriously, uh, but broadly she is viewing it more in the context of local folklore and legends. And it's important to note here, she has an actual connection to the Beast of Ray Road because one of her children uh, was friends with one of the other kids who had seen it, who had seen oh. the beast staring at them from the woods. Oh my. I know, right? We've got it. you know, I feel like you might have a personal bias in the situation. I. But just, that's also very scary. Isn't it just? That's very scary. Incredibly so, actually. I do not like that. Can I tell you something? Go ahead. Earlier, before we started recording, you mentioned something about looking at sources from France. And I have something that I would like to bring to the table. The Lugaroo. In terms of in terms of wolfy things and werewolfy things. Sure, what is it? Have you ever heard of the Beast of Jevedon? No, actually. This is not where I thought you were going at all, but go on. So, I have to cite my sources. I learned about the Beast of Jevedon from a puppet history episode. Um, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to admit that. So, the Beast of Jevedon was this mysterious thing that appeared in France in the 1760s. Um... And what happened was there was a a bunch of farmers who were going about their business farming. And there was a a young farmer whose uh, throat got ripped out by some sort of monstery thing. Oh, no. Um, And they were like, that's weird. Um, And then uh, some of the people... um, noticed that there was something that was, quote, like a wolf, but not a wolf mm-hmm. running around the place. Um, and it started uh, fucking going after these poor French farmers. A 1987 study estimated there had been 610 attacks, resulting in 500 deaths and 49 injuries. 98 of the victims that were killed were also partially eaten. There was a multi-year manhunt for this thing. Um, You know, people were going into the woods, trying Mm -hmm. to kill it. Like, people reported to have killed this thing, like, many, many, many times. Um, Eventually, someone brought a wolf to um, to the uh, the French monarch at the time. Um, Louis XV was the one who was in charge of France at the time. Um, eventually they just brought him a wolf and he was like, okay, cool, that's good. <laughs> but the public hysteria around these attacks led to a lot of people trying to speculate about what was going on. So there were a lot of myths about supernatural beasts in Jevedon, werewolves. There was a lot of like mythos around this thing that like it was it couldn't be killed. It was resistant to bullets. Mm-hmm. That it had an unusual color, that it was a werewolf, that it was a wild boar. Like, there was a lot of mythos that surrounded this thing. But it just goes to show you, werewolves is everywhere. The reason I think the French history is important to this is, I don't know if you know this, uh, there is a history of uh, French people living throughout Michigan. Um, because that is where, during the early colonization of America... Um, French fur traders lived throughout sort of what is now Southern Canada and a good chunk of the Northern U S but in particular, 
Michigan was one of the areas they set up uh, there, a lot of fur trapping and trading business. Mm, they come in with a lot of um, French legends, and there are some now uh, particularly legends to certain areas, such as Gross Point in Michigan, um, a historically French area. Uh, this legend originates from 1770, centered around uh, a man named Pierre Lonfontaine, a farmer named Simonette, and the farmer's daughter, Archange. Uh, Simonette loses his wife. He is a widower, but he has his, uh, his daughter to take care of, and he cares for her greatly, and that, uh, that young daughter is Archange. Um, eventually, a farmer named Pierre Lafontaine shows up and uh, sort of starts to fall in love with Archange. Um, over time, they flirt and stuff, and they get to know each other better. And Simonette decides, like, I trust this Pierre guy. Let me give you my daughter's hand in marriage. You know, I, I oh. bless this. I bless this. There is one night where Pierre and Archange are out on a boat. Uh, he's taken her rowing across the lake. And uh, he lives on one side of the lake. She lives on another. So he, he regularly has to row across. But he's taken her on, like, a boat date this time. Um, and eventually they get to her side of the shore and he says, here, I'll, I'll let you off here and I'll head home. And she says, okay, bye, Pierre. And then she encounters a large wolf-headed man with an enormous tail walking erect as a human being, but looking like a wolf. Uh, the thing screams at her as she runs back home. It's chasing her through the woods, but she gets inside. Ugh. Uh she thinks about this for some time and later um, when she's walking around in the woods, she sees an old man wearing a coat, a hat uh, and walking with a cane. And then the old man turns to look at her and she sees it's the wolf. It's the wolf, wolf looking Ooh. at her with a lovesick leer. Uh, oh my gosh. When she, when no. she, yeah. When she comes home and talks to, to this about her father, because she runs away from it again, uh, he realizes it's a Lucaru, which is a kind of a wolf man, um, possibly demonic in nature, usually like a possessed man uh, looking oh. for some kind of love, um, who is like giving away his soul. Um, there's an earlier, there is an earlier legend from the 1690s, uh, possibly earlier, called the Nun of Saint Clair, in which there's a woman trained to be a nun. A man has fallen in love with her, and realizing he cannot have her, as she has become a nun. Uh, he sells his soul to a witch to gain the power to become a Lucaru. But he, like, turns to stone in the sunlight. Oof. So, yeah, now he's trapped forever in stone. Um, but there's possible connections between the ideas in that one and the ideas here of a lovesick or um, dangerous man deciding to try and attack a woman using like the powers of a wolf Gross. Uh, on their wedding day on Pierre and Archange's wedding day. She hasn't seen the Lucaroo for some time now. The Lucaroo comes and abducts her. They're on uh, the beach side, um, just outside of a church. Like that's where they decide to have their wedding. It's a very beautiful location. It's a real location. In Bro, fact, he I... interrupted a beach wedding. Yes. That's uh, fucked up. The Lucaroo grabs her and runs off into the woods, into the swamp. Pierre chases, Pierre chases after the wolf, chases and chases. Uh, and when the rest of the wedding party arrives, they find him just like running in circles around the swamp, like utterly 
distressed and uh, almost feverish. Uh, this is a, a big cultural thing in early French Detroit, the notion of uh, la folie du bois, which essentially translates to something like the folly of the woods. Mm. Um, and it's the idea that there's this tendency, a kind of woods madness that overtakes you where you will get lost or be unable to find your way, maybe not out of the woods, but like through the woods. Um, you're not stuck there forever, but you find yourself just sort of running in circles over and over again. This is all Pierre can think about for the next year. His wife is gone, abducted by a wolf, never to be seen again. And his sister is getting married. Um, and he's just sitting there like still deep in a deep state of depression over the loss of his own wife. Um, and he sees the wolf man coming up on the coastline, uh, perhaps uh, and very likely to abduct his sister. Um, Pierre chases it to the edge of the lake, but rather than attempt to escape, the wolf man standing on top of a large rock displays his art, his arms out, leans back and is swallowed by a giant fish. What? There is now a rock bearing the last footprint of this werewolf. Uh, you can actually find this rock. It is now located on Chalfont Road in... What? Still in the area. Um, like, this is a real rock, and it does for real have a wolf print on it. Um, and this is a particular piece of folklore to uh, Gross Point, Michigan. Yeah. Um... Now, I did a little looking at the various encounters. Um, and actually, if I, if I go and look at where Gross Point is, I should have added that one to the map. I'm not sure if I did. Ooh. Oh, no, maybe not. Uh, this one doesn't quite match the pattern, but it's important to note, I think, as a piece of cultural history to uh, the Wolfman. Anyway... Isn't it about time for cryptid news? And then we'll get right back to what I've done, my special little bit of research. Oh, okay. Let's do some, ooh, cryptid news. Do -do -do -do. So if you have cryptid-related news, perhaps you've had a sighting, perhaps you know, heard a friend who has, perhaps you have a friend of a friend of a friend, we'll settle. Um, do send it in to acsgcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet at us on, at ACSGCast on Twitter. Um, we're on, what, Tumblr, Instagram, everything? Yep. Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, at ACSGCast. You can also email us sightings or news at ACSGCast at gmail.com. But... but I feel like I have to say this because we've been getting the messages. Mm -hmm. Cryptocurrency. Stay away, please. Uh, so this is a more minor bit of cryptid news. Let me just pull it open. Um, I retweeted a bit of this art uh, actually very recently. Oh, I saw this. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Um, so if you are unfamiliar, um, it are you are you familiar with Sarah Anderson's comics? I am now. I think. A very funny comic artist, does a lot of stuff. Um, recently has started a new uh, comic called Cryptid Club, uh, which you can find at club underscore cryptid on Twitter. It's um, so cute. It's very cute. It's fun. 
Oh my god, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, like, oh. uh, just fun little cryptid encounters. Um, so nothing major, but I retweet it. You can absolutely, yeah, absolutely go check it out. Uh, do you support Sarah Anderson's work? Um, she has a couple books out. Um, and Cryptid Clubs is like her new little passion project, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, adorable. Absolutely adorable. 10 out of 10. A, a million out of 10. <laughs> uh, that is basically all the cryptid news I have for today. It's been it's been pretty rough out here looking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has been. I have a couple teeny little things. Go ahead. Um, there was one from the community corner of Mentor, Ohio. The Mentor Public Library is celebrating the Halloween season by um, having a painting program for kids where they can learn how to paint cryptids. Oh, that's great. There's a special program happening at the end of the month. It's very cute. There's also uh, a video podcast called Cryptid Campfire that has very recently launched. Um, it looks a little spooky. Um, I'm the type of person who uh, I can either hear a scary thing or see a scary thing. I can't do both. It's a little much for me. Um, but if that's your thing, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And finally, um, there was a festival in Elkhorn, Wisconsin to celebrate I, I I think the Beast of Bray Road it was. Oh. Wow. Okay, good. That, that'll tie us in very nicely then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for nearly 30 years, uh, Donna Wells Fink has poured over legend and lore chasing down leads on creatures made famous by the skepticism that surrounds their existence. Amid the cynics, Fink has discovered a global fraternity of believers who claim to have had first-hand encounters with beings such as, or at the very least, experienced circumstances they can't explain away. <laughs> that is the audience Fink is targeting with her inaugural Beast of Bray Road conference on Saturday, October 2nd, at the Lutherdale uh, Camp Chapel on Green Lake. Fink said, no one has of yet celebrated the Beast of Bray Road, and I just couldn't understand why. When you're on Facebook or Instagram, you realize the entire world is absolutely fascinated by him. And you wonder why isn't anybody celebrating him here? So, congrats, Beast of Bray Road. You now get to be celebrated. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I have. Uh, so this is not every encounter as we as we come back to the wolf man, uh, to the dog man. But I have made a map of the key points throughout oh. this encounter oh my goodness oh now, my now if you look there is there's one little a little farther east a little far or west and a little farther north of michigan or is that in wisconsin uh that is that is upper peninsula michigan that is not wisconsin i i checked i checked i can't um, tell the difference yeah no I, I couldn't label the map in any greater detail than that um oh no this is this is incredible i know i I need to start doing more of these because I think it's uh, great to get a sense of where the legend is sort of played out. These mm. are the critical encounters listed in the two books I could find and discussed in um, and discussed in Cook's uh, song, which are listed as being like, at least by Royce in that Traveling Sunset, Michigan or whatever, 
uh, at least listed by Royce as like actual encounters. So we're going to trust Royce on this for now. Interesting. Anyway, we're going to come back to this map right after we discuss a very recent encounter. Uh, the most recent we have. Ooh. In 2007, there's a piece of film that comes up called the Gable film. Oh, yeah. I read about this in the NPR article. Mm-hmm. Who's a good boy? Not the Michigan dog man. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this piece, uh, this this piece of film comes out and it does show the Michigan dog man walking around doing his Ooh. Michigan dog man things. Uh, have you have you taken a look at the Gable film? I have not, unfortunately. Uh, I will invite you to take a look at it real quick let me just oh i have it up on YouTube. oh okay great 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 okay so i see a snowmobile i see debris on the lens uh snowmobile 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 more snowmobile it's just a lot of snowmobile if That's you a lot of snowmobile yeah here. if you skip in about three minutes in is when you i think you actually three see the dog man oh, walking has the around. Oh, the fallen off the snowmobile? Now there's someone cutting wood. Skip, skip to about three minutes in. Skip to about three minutes in. Oh, I see a dog. There is a dog, but skip it's to about dog. three minutes in. It's just a regular German Shepherd. It's just a no, regular German. Not the, not the German Shepherd. That is not what we're talking about. <laughs> the dog man is not just a man-sized oh. dog. It's oh, a, oh. It's... what's that? Oh, there you go. There, okay, running. great. I see woods. I see more woods. Wow, this is uh, it's incredible, incredible piece of film. Uh, <laughs> groundbreaking. groundbreaking, very convincing evidence, as as one site put it. The most I really feel like have. I'm part of the action. Uh, don't you just? Don't I just? Oh, it's a bear. There's a just there's just a bear. No, I. I'm uh, looking at this thing. Let me pull it up in full screen and zoom in on it. But that looks... That's a... I, I'm looking a at bear. a stabilized uh, Oh, copy. I'm not looking at the stabilized version. Hold on a second. If you look at the way it moves... It moves like a bear on a hill. I also don't think its head shape matches up quite right. Really? And you want to know how I can tell you it's not a bear. Because in 2010, Monster Quest did an episode about the Dogman, briefly mentioning it. And in that, they analyzed the Gable film. It was a hoax. It was a hoax, and you won't believe who was involved. There's a man named Micah Grusa, and he called Steve Cook, and he said, Hey, of course, I want to put out a film. And Steve Cook said, Fuck yeah. Steve Cook actually invented this film uh, to keep the legend going. Um, and it coincides with the 10 year cycle that he put in his song, which became an integral part of the Michigan Dogman lore. In fact, near as I can tell, none of the encounters in that song were known or reported before that song came out. Mm. However, there is a culture around werewolves existing within. Uh, within Michigan, um, 
all the encounters of the Michigan Dogman and um, a lot of the other werewolves have been seen throughout uh, West and Ups and Upstate Michigan. Did you know, Cass, that most of the wolves in Michigan have died out? Yes. This is actually a huge problem. They've been trying to repopulate for years. It recently peaked, I think, around 700 uh, over the past couple of years. That's basically where it's been set at. Is around not very many. That's not very many at all, actually. They were native to Michigan and once present in all 83 counties. Persecution and active predator control programs throughout the 20th century virtually eliminated wolves from Michigan. By 1840, they could only be found in the southern portion of the Lower Peninsula. By 1935, they completely disappeared from the Lower Peninsula. And by 1960, when the state paid bounty on wolves was repealed, they had nearly vanished from the Upper Peninsula. The last known pups born during this era were documented in 1954 to 1956, the area known now as Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. All of this comes to us from Michigan.gov on their wolf protection program. In the 1970s, biologists documented an increasing number of wolf reports and the occasional vehicle strike in the Upper Peninsula. An attempt at translocating four wolves from Minnesota to the Upper Peninsula was made in 1974. But all four animals were killed by humans within eight months before any oh. successful reproduction could occur. No. Here's the trick. Uh, with the wolf population booming, it is still, in fact, booming in the Upper Peninsula and throughout upstate michigan Mm. a lot of the wolf encounters uh and wolf like breeding and hunting areas match up pretty cleanly to where we see the michigan dog man yeah i'm just saying i'm just saying he is the answer to the trophic cascade (laughs) if we can get the dog man in there Trust me, Trophic Cascade <laughs> is the least of your worries. I'm fascinated by the culture around the Dogman because I do think it is centered on Steve Cook. Um, okay. Even Linda Godfrey like cites a lot of Steve Cook stuff, but she tries to link it to the Beast of Bray Road, to its behaviors. Um, very interestingly, I hadn't seen anyone attempt to link it to the Lucaru. And the only reason I investigated that link was because of the Lorenzo Cultural Center doing an article about like the history of werewolves in Michigan. And no one, no one had looked into the Lucaru. Uh, it, it's from a book called Legends of Le Detroit by, by a um, Detroit French woman um, and a folklorist herself, uh, Marie Carolyn Watson Hamlin. Uh, she wasn't that known at the time, but the book became actually very popular when it uh, released in 1883. Now, that 1887 encounter that is talked about in uh, Steve Cook's song, I think is, quote-unquote, real here. It at least existed before the Steve Cook song, I think. And it was what got him interested, that there had been, like, lumberjacks who had seen a crazy thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But that encounter happens, like, four years after this book releases about various French legends. Um, I just... I think there's like a strong link between folklore and the culture of the dog man. And I'm really, I'm really into it. I'm really into it. We don't get a lot of cryptids where, where you can kind of trace their origins in that same way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's either a singular huckster involved. uh, There's maybe a singular encounter 
or it's like too broad sweeping and occurring so widely that you can't get a clean origin. Like if you look at Bigfoot, I would have a really hard time tracing the origin of Bigfoot mm -hmm. because it's kind of all over. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the dog man for this very reason. Essentially, if I can give you the timeline, Hamlin puts out her book in 1883. There is reports of a lumberjack encounter in Wexton in County in 1887. A hundred years later, 1987, Steve Cook creates a song documenting the 10-year cycle of the Dogman. This resurfaces a kind of fascination among the culture for Dogman. And I believe what we're seeing, because this is right as wolves start coming back um, and their population is booming, is that people keep seeing wolves, but because they have that song on the radio, and it was a popular radio station at the time, um, they think to themselves they're seeing a dog man that, oh. like, when they see a very big wolf. Because I don't know if you know this, wolves are fucking huge, actually. Mm -hmm. They're very big. Like, a lot of people are like, well, it's like a, like, it's like a little bigger than a dog. No, it's a lot bigger than a dog. Yeah. I think wolves are not, like, certainly not irregularly around seven six to seven feet you mm -hmm. could certainly find they have they're really big they have um it is not unheard of for wolves to walk on their hind legs not with like any kind of regular degree but they can do it just just like how a dog can and in fact um wolves that have endured injuries and you see this with quite a few quadrupedal animals that like if they have like endured too many injuries to a given leg instead of walking on three legs um, this is a somewhat irregular behavior, but some will learn to like walk on two legs to ease the pain in their feet. Oh, to um, like rebalance the, the rebalance. Like if they're missing a leg, um, oh. it's easier for them that way instead of just like limping. Um, yeah. It's not like super common because it's still in many ways more difficult than walking on three. Uh, mm -hmm. but like if it's unsteady ground, they can do it. Wolves do a lot of weird shit. And they're huge and very muscular. If you saw mm -hmm. one stand up right, you would say, oh, that 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 big furry man, my God. Yeah. Let me get an estimate for you about how long they are. Um, well, I've got one thing for you, or, or two things for you, I should say, um, immediately. Uh, they can be up to 180 pounds. They can run up to 37 miles an hour. They can be up to 2.8 feet tall at the shoulder. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know the length of a wolf, please. Yeah, they can be around uh, five feet long. That's pretty long. Um, it's pretty long. Yeah, a full, a full grown wolf, gray wolves, uh, have an average nose to tail length between 4.5 and 6 feet. That's big. That's very big. That's very big. The largest wolf uh, is the Mackenzie Valley wolf, mm -hmm. uh, also known as the Canadian timber wolf or the Alaskan timber wolf. It's the largest wolf in the world. The average male weighs 137 pounds. That's average. That's You had big. people hearing these encounters and telling people like, oh my God, it must have been like 500 to 700 pounds. My God. Yeah, they uh they can be up to seven feet long and three feet tall to the shoulder. That's fucking massive. It's pretty fucking huge. That's I, that's big. 
Big fluffy, fluffy boy. Big fluffy boy. Do you want to hop over to Cryptid's wiki? I do, because I have an interesting thing to share with you that I found. Oh, go ahead. Um, so there's a there's a lot of stuff in this comment section. Um, as a as a sociology and anthropology person, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. You could mm-hmm. you could study these people on this article here today. Um, it's <laughs> fascinating. Um, but one of the very interesting things I've noted, um, sea coral uh, apparently had some discovery or uh, internal awakening on October 4th, 2020, because they posted not once, but twice. Um, the first one was, these images are very real and very epic. Hope you all find him soon, big man XX. To which Dogman Witness replied, Thank you so much for your kind words, Kural, which is not how it's spelled. I hope to encounter this creature again soon, and I will draw more pictures when I do. Smiley emoticon. The second comment from C. Coral on also October 4th, 2020 is in all caps. Dogman is so hot. Where can I find him? In response, Dogman Witness posted a uh, image of what seems to be a disappointed gorilla. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, as Shadow87879 says, Michigan overclock furry. I'm just saying, I think C. Coral has a point here. The one yeah. that says hot or the one that says furry? C. Uh, C. Coral's point to the dog man hot. Um, oh, okay. Don't you want a big werewolf to take care of you? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people giving their own uh, alleged encounters. Yeah, Literally there are all, a lot of sightings. It's very interesting to me because if you look at, uh, at seemingly every encounter on the page, T. Rubbles, uh, Dog Lost posts, posts one, the day they comment is also the day the encounter happened. <laughs> I, I want to share with you um, a sighting, a very bravely shared sighting from uh, April 23rd, 2015, which had a few amendments to it on the 27th from a fandom user. Mm-hmm. I saw that son of a gun in my backyard and its eye had malice in them. And then four days later, yeah, it's me. I did not finish. <laughs> One of its eyes had electricity burns on them and the other was glow red and the son of a bitch was standing seven feet tall and had fresh blood on its fangs. And then they came back and added, and I go by Shadow Hunter. <laughs> and I go by Shadow Hunter. That is his that is his full and legal name. Right below that, um a I don't know if it's the same fandom user or a different fandom user, but it is a fandom user on April 17th said the first pick looks really creepy. To which uh, Soma Rioa, so Soma Renoa responds, "What is he in anyway? Some sort of speedboat? A werewolf that can successfully, heck, even only semi-successfully pilot a speedboat is absolutely more intimidating." Where did the speedboat come from? This is gonna sound crazy. Uh, I know Soma Renoa. Really. 
Yeah, no, this is, um, this is an artist I know. Um, That's very fun. Isn't it? Uh, he, I remember him mainly from the Mega Man fandom because he did a lot of Mega Man fan art. Uh, but he also had like his own Silent Hill and he he has like a huge uh, extraterrestrial horror thing going on. This is this is a big thing for him. I'm not unsurprised to see him on the Cryptids wiki. It's very weird to see him all of a sudden. Like I wasn't ready for some Samaranoa today. You know what? That's very fun. I so good so good to see you again, King. Are you ever <laughs> gonna, are you ever going to finish that Mega Man series? Please, sir. Please. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <sighs> I even found this thing on the Creepypasta Wiki. And that's You fast... found it on the Creepypasta Wiki? Right? Because... There's a Creepypasta Wiki? <laughs> oh, there's been a Creepypasta Wiki for years. I used to go on it all the time. Oh, no. Um, I don't like Creepypastas. They, cre- they scare me. <laughs> it's interesting to me the way Creepypasta is evolved, because if you don't know, uh, the term originates from Copypasta, which is copy-paste. And it was an easily repeatable story. Uh, so you would give like a stupid, shitty horror story. And then people started trying to take them seriously. And mm. that's uh, that's when the whole thing fell apart. There are a couple of good ones. Nothing I would recommend, frankly. I know only of one that sticks out because it haunts my nightmares sometimes. Um, even though I've never actually read the thing or seen the thing. Um, the story of the smile dog is pretty fucked up. Oh, they love one of the constant and classic bits of creepy pastas is that like, and this was this is to a part uh, a part of the culture of creepy pastas actually that does date back to its origins is that the idea was it would be part of an email chain, so you had to say oh. that like now that you know about it, it's gonna get you too. You gotta email like five friends this stupid story. This was a huge oh. thing on fanfiction.net that like you see it in someone's profile and you have to re- you have to paste it into your profile or like there'd be a girl that would get you in seven days. Like, okay, I've seen, mm-mm. I've oh seen the ring. God. You're not going to fucking get me on this. I'm not it's dumb. Like those, it's like those um, copy pastas our friend uh, keeps sending us at the holidays when it's like, oh, yes. happy Halloween. No, it is. That is literally what <laughs> it is. Uh, there is, there are like, if you look back at the older creepypastas, the idea was it was something that you could fit in an email. Um, and at the end, you would say something like, now that you've seen Smile Dog, email five of your friends to smiledog.jpg or you'll you'll get got. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just... It fascinates me that Michigan Dogman is on the creepypasta wiki because... Nothing is added here, really. This has most of the stuff on the Cryptids Wiki, uh, and it's just retelling a lot of the encounters with a few extra ones like Sparta, Reed City, Watersmeet at various points. Um, The Big Rapids encounter may have been written by the author of this article rather than being a real one. It is so difficult to tell if there are any, any real encounters with the dog man. This... Like, the only existing one may be the 1887 one. And that's fascinating to me, because the rest of them may be inventions to go along with Steve Cook's uh, funny little puzzle game. Steve Cook, you wild fucking bastard. 
I actually appreciate what Steve Cook did with the Dogman because when he realized that it got very popular, uh, he starts selling CDs and all of his uh, funds um, from from getting those CDs, all the profits went to various uh, animal and wildlife charities around the around the state. So actually good on you, Steve Cook. If you are manipulating people into believing in encrypted so that you can donate to charity, you know what? I, I, I would forgive you for that. I think it's okay, Steve Cook, that you, what you're doing. I think if you are praying on Lauren Coleman's uh, feeble little mind, more power to you. More power Gaslight to you. Gaslight, keep girl, give to charity. Yeah. How would you rate the dog man, Cass? How would I rate the dog man? Mm. Well, I feel like I've heard a lot of different perspectives on the dog man. Some hate him. Some want to fuck him. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of emotions swirling around the dog man. Um, I feel like for me, myself, I have a, a little bit of a difficult time separating the idea of the dogman from my experience playing the dogman in a small independent uh, film yeah, uh, for you, your film You class. really became the character in that. It was some very method acting. I stood there and I raised my hands <laughs> and I stared at some punk um, and it was great. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um. Hmm. Would I take him out to dinner? I might just go to dinner and uh, see how that works out, but I'm not sure I'd want to eat the same thing that he would eat. It will taste like wet dog, apparently. It will taste like wet dog, apparently. Um, I don't love that. I don't want to feel like I'm eating my date. Um, yeah. At, at dinner, that seems like a little too, that seems like a little <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> oh, to eat, to eat the dog, ma'am, I must say. <laughs> not at the dinner table not at the dinner table you gotta wait a couple you gotta wait like an hour um that's a little too quick <laughs> um maybe like a i feel like there's a six out of ten chance i'd go to dinner um but maybe from there like a two out of ten chance that anything goes any further mm-hmm. how about you uh i am not much of a dinner date person i think it's nice when you're already with someone but that's not my that's not my first date kind of thing um i like adventure i like excitement and i think that i think the dog man can give me that uh i think the dog man will pick me up uh take me into a swamp and or uh take me on a joseph and the whale-esque journey oh. <laughs> inside the belly of a giant fish i guess <laughs> okay uh the dog man i like the dog man a lot so uh i would say mm, solid 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 eight out of ten hot bod uh a little too rowdy at times but you know what i I can live with that big hairy and you know i like that fair um i think i think it's got all the trappings yeah no uh, (laughs) the dog the dog man i i could settle for the dog man everything you want and everything you need. The Amateur Cryptid Survival Guide is a podcast lovingly created by Cass Rowland and Jude Furlong. Follow us at ACSGCast on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. And tune in Wednesdays at 8am Central where you get your podcasts.